In 2010, Apple had a vision to launch a new product that was going to change the world. They launched this new product called an iPad. It wasn't necessarily new technology. Other companies had played with the idea of tablets before, but this would be technology that they said would change everything. Everybody would want one of these iPads. They would revolutionise your work setting and how you engaged with technology. I remember when they were launched and I remember thinking, what an absolute joke. Who's going to want an iPad? They serve no real purpose. It's not a phone. And it's not a laptop. So what is it? If you've got a phone and you've got a laptop, you can do everything that you want. But this thing, it's too big to actually hold in your pocket. You can't make phone calls on it. It's it's kind of clumsy and difficult. So it's nothing on a phone. And, well, you can't do half the things you can do on a laptop. It's no good for typing. You just kind of carry around this extra third device. And what point does it actually serve in your life? Well, it's 2022. And uh, clearly, I changed my mind at some point over the last 12 years. I'm still not convinced that you actually need one of these, but nevertheless, I've found a spot in my life for it. I've found that it's quite convenient in the minutes before I'm about to talk to you to quickly change my ideas here rather than on a piece of paper having lines and scribbles drawn all over the page. I found it's convenient to take to meetings so that I've got everything there without lugging around my phone or my iPad. I changed my mind. And actually, all of us at different points in life, we change our minds about things. Sometimes these things are kind of trivial. It doesn't matter that much that you've decided, well, maybe an iPad has a purpose. But sometimes these things really do matter. It's significant. Big, life-changing decisions that we make where we change our perspective, where fundamentally we move on an issue that we thought maybe was was closed or, or we'd finished with. And today I want to speak to you about what happens in the moments just prior to making this kind of change. Because the change itself is one thing, but actually before any change of mind has always come a season of questioning, a time of wondering, some moments of re-evaluating what we thought was true, what we wanted to look at, and looking now at things in a new light. I want to talk to you about those times before a change, the wrestle that sometimes leads to a change and sometimes maybe we go around a cycle and stay where we are, but we're richer and better for having spent time thinking and questioning and wondering about the direction we might head. And as I open up this conversation today, those, that wrestle before a change, I want to share with you two stories, two stories that mirror each other, that actually are the same story. The same events take place, the same initial uh, events, the same location, and ultimately the same outcome of the two stories. But the people involved in them end these stories in two very different places. The ways that their lives pan out are very, very different. And I want us to think about what it, what's actually happening for these two people, the decisions they make that lead to two very different outcomes. And so the first story that I want, to, uh, want us to think about today is the story of Peter, who is staying in the city of Joppa. 
It's a city on the most eastern side of the Mediterranean, a harbour city, a port city, a trade city. And Peter is there in his friend's house, Simon. He's praying on the roof and he receives a vision. And this vision comes to him of a sheet coming down from heaven. And, and on this sheet is a whole bunch of animals that Jewish people shouldn't eat. Peter, being a proud Jew, knows that this is not what he should touch. And he sees this sheet come down with pigs and camels and snakes and birds. And then something peculiar happens. A familiar voice, a recognised voice, the voice of Jesus speaks to him, the voice he followed during Jesus' ministry and says to him, Peter, get up and eat. Peter's not one for sitting on the fence and he says, no way, Lord, I wouldn't do that. I would never eat that food. Peter knows that his Jewish identity, his understanding of all that he is and all who he is, is wrapped up in being separated from the world by not eating this sort of food. And it's not just a good idea. This is These are words from God given to the Jewish people. And now he hears the same voice of God telling him to do something that God had told the Jewish people not to do. Peter's perplexed by this vision and it happens again. And then it happens a third time over. And Peter is wrestling in this moment. What does this vision mean? What is actually, what what is God saying to me through this vision? And in a few minutes time, Peter is going to be asked to not only have a vision, but to live this vision out. A vision which calls him to open his heart to the uncleanliness of the world. In a few moments' time, the uncleanliness of the world knocks on his door as some Gentiles, some men from a Roman soldier come to his door, knock on his door and say, come with us to see our boss, the Roman soldier. Peter is perplexed. In the city of Joppa, Peter is facing some difficult and uncertain moments as he wrestles with this dream, but actually is going to be asked to not only wrestle with uncleanliness, but to step into it, to go to it, to go to a Roman soldier who represents all that is broken and wrong with the world. A Roman soldier who is the very example of evil in the world, an external force that overrules the Jewish people, who opposes them who enslaves them, an external force who eats different food, who worships other gods. Everything in Peter's worldview that is wrong with the world is represented by the Romans and he is going to be asked to go to them. In the city of Joppa, Peter wrestles with this problem. And in the same city of Joppa, another story from the ancient Hebrew scriptures takes place. It's a parallel story. It's in many ways the same story. And it's a guy called Jonah who wrestles with this same question. Jonah is asked by God to go to the enemies of God, to go to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh is the example of all that is wrong with the world. Nineveh is the example of brokenness and deception and and sin in this world. Nineveh is the example of all that is wrong in the world in the eyes of Jonah. It's sin city of the ancient world. And God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go there and tell them of my radical life changing love. And Jonah is perplexed. Jonah does know what, doesn't know what to do. Just the same as Peter, he receives a call to go to the unclean, to go to the broken in the city of Nineveh. And as Jonah receives this vision, he wrestles deeply with what to do. Both of these men, 
in the same city of, jo- of, of Joppa, wrestle with the call of God. And both of these stories actually end in the same place. Ultimately, both Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and Nineveh, the city, sin city in the ancient world, both ultimately receive the radical love of God. They repent and fall down and worship Him and receive gifts and are blessed as a result of this radical, compassionate love. But the stories of Peter and Jonah are very, very different within the story that looks so similar in their two worlds. Because Peter's story is one where he continues to be enlivened and strengthened and and built up through this experience. The book of Acts carries on for another 20 odd chapters. There's so much more of the story to be told after Peter's experience in this story. But Jonah, he winds up bitter, frustrated and angry. A sad story that wraps up right there in Jonah's bitterness, in his frustration, in his anger. The story of these two men, although all the parts of the narrative are the same, the people within it end up in two very different spots. Peter, enlivened, empowered, a life-giving experience, and Jonah, bitter and depressed. And they both take place in the city of Joppa. It's the decisions made in this city that make all the difference. And you and I, we face moments in life where we're asked to wrestle deeply with what we understand. I might call these these moments jopper moments in our lives. They're moments when something happens, something fundamentally in our life challenges us to review and think again about everything that we've always known to be true asks us to question ourselves, maybe to question faith, to question God, to think again about how the world works. Could it actually be true what we've always thought or understood or believed? These moments come when the pathway forward is not clear. It's not obvious to us what it is that God might be up to. It's not obvious to us what position we should hold. These are the kind of jopper moments that I want us to focus on today because they can make us or break us. And they're moments of deep discovery in our lives. Jonah responds to this Joppa moment, this deep wrestle by running. He buys a one-way ticket to the city of Tarshish. Now, if you just imagine with me for a moment, the, the city of Joppa is on the far eastern corner of the Mediterranean Sea. You couldn't get any further east, right near the city of Nineveh. And Jonah in the city of Joppa buys a ticket to Tarshish, which is on the far western corner of the Mediterranean, all the way over near modern-day Portugal. It is effectively like buying a ticket to the ends of the earth. Beyond Tarshish is the Atlantic Ocean, and in the ancient world, nothing. There is no world beyond Tarshish. And so what Jonah does in the midst of his wrestle is he buys a one-way ticket to the other side of the earth to get as far away as possible from the wrestle of God, as far away as possible from the uncomfortableness, from the call, from the uncertainty that he feels in this wrestle because he figures in Tarshish there's no chance he could ever get back to Nineveh. Jonah buys this one-way ticket as a chance to get out of the wrestle, out of the pressure, out of the stress that he's feeling. 
You know, I have this opportunity in my life and ministry that sometimes in a really privileged way, people invite me into the wrestles of their life. They might be wrestling with something of their identity, something of faith, doubting something that they always believed, asking difficult questions of things like suffering and God's love. And and I have this opportunity from time to time that people invite me in and they process what they're thinking. It's a great privilege. Actually, I have this opportunity in ministry, but you would have this opportunity too with friends or family, others in your life. You yourself would wrestle with these questions from time to time. This is part of our human story. And what I've noticed as I have these conversations with people is that often there's an undertone that we feel like we're failing. That when we have these significant questions, we have these doubts that we're, we're, we're thinking that maybe we're failing because we're having this wrestle. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm often encouraging people to keep leaning in. This is an opportunity. This is a chance to not live in naivety, but to ask some new questions, to think some new thoughts, to play with a new idea. It's not failing to be in the wrestle. In Jonah and Peter, they're not failing because they're wrestling with this call. They're right in the midst of God's work in their life. But I notice that as we wrestle with this failure, there's a tendency for us to kind of do one or two things. I notice that sometimes we end up doubling down on what we've always thought. The wrestle is hard and so what we do is in our wrestling with failure as well, think, well, it's all rubbish. I'm going to lay it off to the side and I'm going to double down on what I've always believed. Nothing could be new. This is what is true and this is partly what Jonah does. He says there could never be redemption for this city. God could never do a new thing there. He is only for the Jewish people. I'm doubling down on my belief. And he buys a ticket and runs and does the second of the two things I notice having a tendency to do. We drop it all and run to the other side of the earth, leaving behind everything that we've known and understood, just saying it's all too hard, it's all too difficult. I give up and we run. Jonah lives out the tendency of the human heart to double down on what we've always believed and then to run and just get out of there and leave behind everything that is taking place for us. And ultimately, whether we find ourselves doubling down on our beliefs or buying a one-way ticket and getting out of here to, to Tarshish to the other side of the earth, ultimately the story of Jonah tells us that running away from this wrestle Running away from uncertainty in our lives doesn't lead to what we hope it will do. We hope it will bring us security. We hope it will relieve us. We hope it will satisfy us as the wrestle is uncomfortable. But friends, the one-way ticket to Tarshish seems only to bring disappointment, frustration and bitterness. It leaves us bitter. Bitter at God, bitter at friends, bitter at people, bitter at circumstances, frustrated at the world. It leaves us ultimately empty and frustrated forever running. But in the city of Joppa, Peter makes a different choice. When Jonah chooses to buy a one-way ticket to double down on his old school thoughts and to run, Peter decides to stay. Peter wrestles with what is happening. He doesn't run, but he opens a door, he wrestles and he wonders what could this be that is going on? What could this vision mean? 
I just want to really quickly read to you from verse 17 of Acts chapter 10 as Peter is caught up thinking through all of the consequences of this vision. It says in verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thinking about this vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men downstairs have come downstairs and are looking for you. So get up, go, and don't hesitate, for I have sent them. Peter went down to them and said to them, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? And then I jumped down to verse 23. They explained themselves and then it says, Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. You know the word there in verse 19, thinking, it doesn't just mean pondering, kind of just loosely thinking about the vision. This word in the, in the original language means to deeply and profoundly wrestle. Peter is having an existential crisis as he thinks about this vision. He's thinking to himself thoughts like, this could not be true. This could not be God. But I recognise the voice. But what does that say about me? Who am I? How could I be a Jew? I would lose my faith. I would be disowned. I would be left out of my family. I'd be kicked out of my society. How could I be who I've always been if I actually went and ate that food, if I went to the unclean? But I know it was God's voice. But it couldn't be because God told us not to. And around and around, Peter is going deeply wrestling in his thoughts with this experience. He is called to the unclean. And the unclean rock up, not just in vision, but in person. And what does Peter do? He opens the door. He asks a question. And then he offers hospitality and he listens. When Jonah runs, doubling down and fleeing from the wrestle, Peter invites the wrestle into his home. He brings it close, offering hospitality and listening listening deeply, listening for the the stories and the work of God that could be taking place here. These stories between Jonah and Peter, they're identical. They play out in the same order. They even play out in the same city. But the differences between them are profound. Peter stays in the wrestle, inviting it close, offering hospitality and listening listening to the stories of those who confuse him, listening for the signs of the Spirit's work, watching carefully for what God might be doing in unexpected places, in unexpected people, in unexpected ways. This is the wrestle that Peter steps into. And ultimately, while Jonah ends up bitter, Peter ends up enlivened with fresh vision, with new understanding and a new recognition of who God is. So friends, I want us to consider, how do you respond in your Joppa moments? How do you respond when something happens in life that just confounds your ideas? When something happens, when something comes across your path that is brand new and makes you think in a completely different way. Maybe it's a person or an event, or a new idea. Maybe it's somebody who who challenges your way of living, somebody who's hard to get along with. Maybe it's an event that, that is unexpected and unprecedented. 
Maybe it's a new idea, a new thought, a new experience that comes on your path. How do you respond to these Joppa moments? Because the story of Peter calls us in these moments to listen and to live with hospitality. Last week, Alan challenged us to consider a life of prayer each and every day when we're in seasons of discovery, when we're thinking through life, to spend some time in prayer, to spend some time with God, seeking the Spirit's lead. If you didn't catch up on Alan's message last week, I encourage you to have a look at it. It lays out this story of Peter in some more detail. But that was Alan's challenge to us last week. Let's be a people of prayer. So how did you go? I'm going to give you another challenge. But how did you go this week in a pursuit of time with God each and every day? Today, I want to invite you to not only pray, but in the midst of prayer, to offer hospitality and to listen. To offer hospitality and in doing so, listen to the Spirit. Because this will take our faith in some unexpected ways. This will take our ideas to some unexpected places. And it can feel easier to buy a one-way ticket to Tarshish, to run away from the wrestle, to stick to the paths that we know well, to stick with the ideas that we know well. But the invitation of Peter's story is to offer hospitality and to listen. And that ultimately life, a life-giving experience of God, a life-giving relationship with Him, life and life to the full is found not in running but in staying, practising hospitality and listening. This is the fundamental choice that Peter makes that separates him from Jonah and leaves both of their stories to take completely divergent paths. Friends, I don't know about you, but I hope that on my dying days, I have just a little bit of joy left, a little bit of energy, a little bit of hope, a little bit of, of, of satisfaction and wonder and excitement at the ways and the possibilities of God. A little bit of energy left for His amazing love and grace and compassion. A little bit of hope expecting that He might do more than what I have been able to see in my short life. Expecting that there is greater things still to come. I don't know about you, friends, but for me, I hope that in my last days, I've still got a little bit of fight left in my bones, still a little bit of joy looking forward to all that God has ahead. The story of Peter invites us into that vision. And to get there, it invites us to offer hospitality and to listen. The bitter, curled up, twisted person walks in the ways of Jonah, walks in the ways of running from the wrestle, of doubling down and fleeing from all that God might be doing in their midst. The story of Peter is one of staying in the wrestle, of thinking deeply and looking for what it is that God might be doing, offering hospitality as difficult as it may be all the way and listening, listening and listening. This is the invitation from the Scriptures today. And friends, imagine what the church would look like if this was our narrative. That we were a people that in the midst of challenge and uncertainty and wrestle, we were a people 
who thought deeply, who didn't buy one-way tickets to run to the other side of the earth and get away from the wrestle and, and forget it all, but instead chose to stay, instead chose to love, instead chose to offer hospitality and all the while listened, listened to the work of the Spirit, listened to his work in unexpected places, in unexpected ways and in unexpected people. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine the life that you and I would be a part of. Let's be a people who risk a listening ear, who risk the gift of hospitality, who risk the ways of God in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you are present. Thank you that you see all things. Thank you that your spirit is moving constantly. And we need to be agile. We need to be a people like Peter who choose to offer hospitality, who invite some of the challenges and the perplexing problems of our world in, bring them closer, and who offer hospitality and listen in the midst of this wrestle. Lord, may we as a church, may we as families, may we as individuals be a people of hospitality and a people of a listening ear. And as we listen to the stories, Holy Spirit, may we hear your voice. May we notice your ways. May we see what you are doing in the midst of the stories. Help us not to get caught up in the overwhelming narrative not like Jonah to, to just see what is broken and wrong and consequently to, to run, but help us to see the subtle ways where you are emerging, what you are doing in these places, in these wrestles in our lives. Lord, may we be a people of prayer and may we be a people of hospitality. This is our ask. This is the model that we see playing out in Peter in the book of Acts. This is the model that we see playing out in the early church. And so, Lord, we ask that you would lead us, you would give us wisdom, and that we would be people of your spirit, listening constantly to your ways and your voice in this world. We pray this, Lord, in this moment and this week, this month and this year, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.